I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hope everybody's doing well today. I want to welcome everybody to the Unimpressed Podcast. I have the Mad Lad film guys here in studio today. We have Graham Ladd and Ethan Kaiser. I'm unimpressed I didn't know these guys before I I moved to Charleston because they do great work. Probably the biggest game in town. I don't know any other game in town for what they do, but yeah. Welcome to the Unimpressed Podcast. Happy to be here, John. Thank you, John. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. It means a lot. We got Hulk Finn, Huck Finn. He, he decided not to shave today. <laughs> Mr. Huck. Yep. No, keeping it uh, El natural. Just uh, coming off a three-week three bender of uh, filming and festivals. Yeah. Uh, that's part of what we do. One of our divisions at Mad Lab Films is, you know, filming conferences, uh, big events, music festivals, things like that. And uh, we did CCMF in Myrtle Beach and BCMF Barefoot in Wildwood, New Jersey. And uh, each one of those about five day uh, event. Wonder what CCMF means. That means Carolina Country Music Festival, and BCMF is Barefoot Country Music Festival. Barefoot Country Music Festival. Bang Productions had four acts at CCMF. Bob Durkin does a great job. How did you guys get hooked up uh, with Bob and Carolina Country Music Festival people? I think it started back in 2015, um, back when uh, we were living in Polly's. Uh, we would work with a guy named Brent. Um, he ran the film company, and I freelanced at the time. So, um, yeah, basically, I, I reached out to him on Craigslist, of all things. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he was looking for, like, cam ops. And, you know, then I worked it that year, and then Graham came the next year. And then since then, we started the company, and now we kind of, like, grown into it. And we've grown in the production side. We really delivered a lot of good content, and they loved what they saw, and Bob's loved what he saw. And, uh, yeah, we all kind of have this, this te- joint team effort to, to make this whole production team with the video happen. And, uh, yeah, we deliver the after movie, um, ticket experience videos, and, and all sorts of uh, content for the festival. When y'all film one of these festivals, what's the agenda? <laughs> you know. balls to the wall no it uh you know starts early and uh we have it pretty well mapped out these days but at the beginning you know because this is what fifth year like yeah. sixth year that we've done it so you know we we have a good uh run of day now but i mean it's a full lineup you know you're getting acts at this stage this stage working in you know the crowds um the sponsors the ticket experience videos drone footage and so it's kind of this whole ever shifting um agenda you know and uh, and then you have like proposals that come up um you have uh you know catching the the guys from shadow warriors project mark geis and his team jumping in off uh parachutes and landing you know on stage or by stage on the beach so it uh it's kind of a uh, a mad dash but uh but you know that's what mad lads do mad lads but yeah to answer your question it's like four different stages covered by five different cam ops over four days so it's it's like there's really there's a rough outline but you gotta yeah. have to learn how to go with the flow and we have to kind of like make sure everyone's in the right place at the right time we we, we average <laughs> i guess about 10 miles a day <laughs> yeah i mean it's 
you know, everybody thinks those things are a lot of, you know, fun and games, but mm-hmm. if you're there working it, that it wears you out. Oh, I mean, I yeah. was I was worn out walking around, <laughs> yeah. you know, from one end to the other trying to, you know, chase four different acts. So yeah. I can imagine wrangling uh, camera yeah. gear. Uh, uh, and through obstacles of drunk people. And <laughs> yeah, I it's mean. It's really, yeah. Difficult sometimes. I mean, we have to continually trade off, you know, gamble, gamble hands, or else you'll have like one jack arm, you know, <laughs> a little noodle over here. But yeah. by the end of the day, I mean, yeah, it's it's exhaust uh, exhausting. So, you know, we we have a Mad Lad uh, workout routine, and uh, you know, just to stay in shape, and because uh, it is physically demanding, mentally, you know, demanding. But we've mm. Have a lot Work, of workout routine. What is that all about? Yeah. We have a PT test for interns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you know, as we grow, you know, um, you know, in the Mad Lad brand, we we're gonna challenge, you know, others not just to uh, be the best like camera ops, but also challenge them uh, physically, personally to hit goals. And we're trying to build more of a camaraderie and a team for life, not just in business. Gotcha. Gotcha. So now, Ethan, tell me a little bit about your army brat. Uh, yeah, military. My dad was Navy. So okay. So, I have that background. So growing up as a kid, did you were you always a creative kid? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, I'd say so. You know, I started, you know, with me and my brother, we we were in Boy Scouts, you know, so you learn like different aspects, you know, in summer camps of discipline and whatnot. But at the same time, you know, we took the uh, cinematography merit badge and that got me into, you know, filmmaking and what we did every summer, we'd go on the summer trip camps and everyone gets so excited about the video. So we would all have the camera and we just film each other just having fun, you know, and then we'd learn, take it back to like Windows Movie Maker at the time. And just make little shortcuts. I mean, this is like, yeah, when I was eight, nine years old. So I'd say, yeah, I was always pretty creative. And, you know, I was blessed to have a, a family and friends that supported that, you know, lifestyle and realize you can make money in this business. And it's it's challenging. It's fun. But, yeah, it has its its demands. Uh, with Dad being a Navy guy, where did you get the creativity from? That's a good question. I don't know. Maybe my mom. <laughs> she was always the... Uh, 
the fun one and the, the creative one. My dad's kind of more straight shooter. And yeah, I'd say, and then my brother was obviously a big, big part of that. You know, we kind of cultivate each other's creativity. He kind yeah, of has I would say y'all feed off each other. He has that writer's mind and kind of that brain. Then I always kind of like took it and we, we would just collaborate. And then, yeah, we've been all, all of us working together, Graham included. And, and yeah, we started just really young and doing like little Lego stop motion videos and just learning how to take a picture every mm-hmm. few seconds and then that's like okay well now he can walk where is he walking to so now it becomes a story so then you kind of learn like that creative just kind of just it, it feeds so and how many different towns traveling around did you grow up in Mimi's uh, brother was a uh, colonel in the army right and then he has two sons and those they move every one to two years and it's like innate and even the one son who's out he works for the national parks they don't stay in an area more than five years at the most. So how many different towns did you have to go to growing up? I, I was I was pretty blessed. I was pretty much two. Two? So I was, oh, so I was okay. born in Kentucky. Like the first three, four years of my life were there. Then we just moved. My dad got stationed in Millington, Tennessee, which is north of Memphis. So, yeah, I pretty much grew up there from, yeah, like seven years old to like high school. And then, yeah, pretty much that, I call that home. One brother, so two boys growing up outside the Memphis area. What did you think you wanted to do in high school? My, obviously, like coming from the military background, and my brother went military, and my dad kind of wanted us to go military. It was just kind of like guided towards that direction. Uh-huh. And I, I almost did. I mean, I was looking at enlisting in the Marine Corps as combat camera, and then the Army has a, a MOS, military occupant specialty. It's called 46 Romeo, which is combat camera but it's more public affairs realm so it's it's not as cool yeah (laughs) so it's basically you're filming like retirement ceremonies and stuff so the marines had like that legit combat camera i was like i'm gonna do this i want to do it because i kind of patched together i knew i wanted to do camera but i knew i wanted to serve and it ended up not working out where i got an opportunity through another company at the time in high school um to work for so I've always had the respect and I love, you know, this, the service end of that. And I respect anyone who's in the military and, you know, but it, I ended up not going that route. So combat camera, do they still carry a gun? They do. Yeah. They okay. say you shoot first in, in, in the way of, yeah. You, shoot you, you, rifle you, first. Yeah. They, you shoot your okay. rifle first. Yeah. But the problem with the, the Marine Corps combat cameras, they guarantee you a area of specialty, not like the actual job. So within the combat camera, you could have been, like a marketing guy or like a website designer. It was like, there was four different ones and he had 25% chance. So I'm not going to sign like a six year contract for a 25% chance that I'll get the job I want. It was a hard decision, but I mean, and then you went to where university of Texas. So yeah, basically uh, at Texas A&M, it's Texas a A&M, yeah. so I still got the military experience through the ROTC program. But the good thing at A&M is you don't have to commit. So it's basically just a like glorified boy scouts and at the end of it you can decide to enlist or go into the military but for me yeah it was just i wanted you know to have the experience and um have the discipline i I can make a bed really well nice nice do you make do you make grounds bed i see you don't shave oh yeah i've stayed with you guys in airbnb i didn't see too many beds made Uh, you know i made my bed (laughs) you did you made your bed grab every morning we're, I'm trying to send these stories okay. up, these stories up vertically, and we see where you guys finally meet. So, okay. Graham, you are from uh, Polly's Island, South Carolina, right? Yeah, uh, born in Columbia and uh, raised uh, up there. 
first eight, nine years of my life, then moved to Polly's where I grew up the re- remainder. Were you always a creative? What were you going on? Are you the, like, no, I was always an athlete. Um, yeah. You know, played all the different sports. You know, my favorite was probably baseball and golf, um, but played them all and uh, enjoyed them all. But I was always the kid that, you know, hated going to bed, was always outside, running around, playing you know, cowboys, Indians, fishing, then picked up surfing when I went to the beach. And, uh, yeah, it was just always a very uh, avid adventure. I well, say. I knew, I told you your bloodline is from Huckleberry Fan. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I've tested that. I've tried to build some uh, life rafts and float down the river. Tried that. Yeah. <laughs> that, that sums me up pretty well. <laughs> so you're running around barefooted? Oh, all the time. All the time with uh, with hemp necklaces. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think about being a creative, being a creative mind? And no, honestly, I uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do in high school, and uh, and in fact, I only applied to one school, and that was Clemson, and that was the day before the uh, deadline was was um, approaching. And honestly, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had got a scholarship, so my parents were like, you know. You should probably go. And at that time, that's what everybody did. And yeah. uh, and so, you know, I uh, literally scrolled through. I remember scrolling through all the majors. And I was like, well, I'm really good at science. And I'm really good at biology. I like animals. I could, I could see myself being a vet. And that's how I chose. And uh-huh. that's a pretty stupid way to do things. <laughs> but, yeah. Now, but, did you finish Clemson? I did, yeah, with honors from Clemson and uh, got into vet school, which is pretty tough. You know, there's only 26 schools in the country. So, of course, you know, with that background, it's chemistry, biochemistry, biology. Those are like your main focuses. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time in the library. You know, I've always uh, been very driven. Mm-hmm. And uh, to I knew to get into vet school, you know, you got to have the grades and pass the test. So, you know, I was pretty disciplined, but had fun on the weekends. When I got accepted, you know, it came time to sign all the papers and the loans. And I was like, you know, I'm not really sure if this is what I want to do. Uh, I decided to uh, postpone it, you know, put it on the back burner for six months. And at the time I was working at Banfield, which is, you know, pet hospital um, and, and the pet smarts in Myrtle Beach at the time. This is, I had worked at the emergency hospital in Greenville, the Greenville Zoo, and uh, then I'd moved back to, to Pauly's um, at this time when I got accepted to get all my ducks in a row for vet school. And, uh, and so I was like, well, shit, what am I going to do now? You know, it's like if I'm not going to be a vet, because I had kind of hadn't really thought about it, to be honest. I yeah. was kind of just going through the motions. And so I started thinking about it and I ended up um, creating a, a mobile app. And this was, I guess, 2000, let's see, nine, 2000. Yeah, about 2009, 2010. How um, big was the app on the screen back then? Oh, was like my a, God, was yeah. it a big app? <laughs> yeah, huge. Really? <laughs> yeah, well, and the problem, the app was awesome. It was uh, basically a town resource guide and I was aggregating all this information, like, you know, uh, drink specials, happy hours, live music, surf forecasts, like everything manually. But how I guess I kind of got started in the creative side was I was trying to sell advertising for the app. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd be like, all right, you know, do you want for $300 a year, you know, you get these banners 
places on the app do you want to sure i was like all right send me your graphic well nine, what's what's an app yeah that, that, that was what i was getting yeah number one number two they were like uh we don't have a graphic can you make one so i was like well you know being driven i bought a macbook and started teaching myself graphic design through illustrator then i was starting the graphics and pretty soon they were asking you know, can you build a website? Well, yeah, I can do that. Shit, how do I do that? <laughs> you know, YouTube University. Yeah. And, uh, kind of was just like a snowball effect. And then, you know, that kind of built into social media uh, management where, you know, I was going out getting content, posting it through Life and Pi. That was the name of the app, Life in Polly's Island. I just noticed that, hey, when I do video, it gets 10 times the reach, 10 times the engagement. Mm -hmm. And I uh, started doing videos instead of photos. And that, I mean, I had about 35 clients um, at the time, and I'd do one video for each one of those every month. So within my first year, you know, it was I produced like 360 plus videos just the first year, like solo. Now, they aren't the quality that they are today, but it what it did give me was, uh, you know, using a marketing background, which I also became a user experience designer um, during that field as well, which is, a, I think, a huge advantage to what we do today from not only the film side, but also the business side, um, just because I know what the businesses need, what's effective, and can, so our videos are not only just like, you need a video, here's your video, boom. We actually take the time to understand their business, um, get it branded correctly in the right light, strategized, and then what we do is uh, create a more effective video that you know, gets well, that you transition of um, the transition of shooting, right? Mm. Transition of shooting and editing, right? And delivering. Yeah. Right? I think if, you know, if you understand the front end, mm. You know, um, it, it kind of gives you a lead on how to shoot things, right? Yeah. Because oh, you sure. are you are editing, and then you know how it's conveyed and so forth. So you kind of, well, a lot of people can't cross that, you know, yeah. because like when I, I started shooting stuff and never knew how to edit at all, mm. right? And then realizing, hey, all right, I'm learning how to edit a little bit, right? Then I started shooting a little better, right? You yeah, know what you yeah. did, yeah. So there is a. A lot of people don't realize that. So if you're listening out there, there's a, you know, if you can do both ends of that from shooting to editing, um, I think it makes you a better storyteller. 100% reactive versus proactive. <clears throat> you know, if you take the time to think about, you know, the background and your intended audience and what you're, you know, needing them to do and you take the time on the pre-production side to align all the ducks, it makes the filming easier and better, but you're shooting with intent as opposed to feeling like you have to capture everything and then try and post, mm -hmm. you know, fix something together on the back end. So yeah, if you're if you're thinking of video, always think of you know your end audience and what you want them to do and kind of work backwards. But I mean, I think at the festival, it's for sure spray and pray. It's spray. <laughs> spray. Now yeah. you're now now Graham, you were self you self taught. You never had any formal training, right? Yeah, all self taught. Now, Ethan, now you had some schooling. You took some classes in, at Texas A&M, right? For the I was a telecommunications major, which means, yeah, not really. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. My first class was like, this is Twitter. And it was like talking about this is what social media is. I'm like, I'm paying God amounts of money to go to pay out-of-state tuition. And I, I don't know. I actually didn't end up finishing A&M. I went two years. And that's when I realized, you know, I got the experience I needed 
but yeah, I mean, there was no real formal training. It was all self-taught, YouTube, on-the-job experience. Discover yeah. it, right? How do things look to you when you see, you know, you're trying to tell a story. How does that video look to you? What do you see? You know, what details do you see? Because a lot of times people don't have that ability to to see that type of detail to really tell a real story. How do, what do you see visually? Don't give away all our secrets. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, it kind of comes down to what you, you, you preach a lot is the sensitivities, you know, just like growing up and just being like a normal everyday human where it's like, say, when I'm listening to you talk, it's like when you go to edit, it's like if you're talking, at what point does a third party look over here? So it's like you have an action reaction and the reaction in my mind is almost as important as the action because it's too, you only have half the story if you're just shooting that. So you take that back to the editing room and you see like all these shots of just like all the action, you have no reaction. It's like a cause and effect, you know? And we learned that in some film studies class that I did take at AM. And it's like the, you have all the different like the Kershaw effect, I think, where it's like you use like, um, I'll have to fact check this, but basically I think it's the reaction shot and how like that this old, um, film back in the day created the whole editing style that it that it's known to be now so for like but, a conversation um, as i'm yeah, talking yeah transferring to him to see whether he's yeah you know receptive to what i'm saying and then cutting back like that mm-hmm. mentality now you yeah. uh, you've you've been on some traditional i mean industry shoots and so forth and worked on some major tv stuff and film stuff and things i went on back in the day and seeing directors is like one shot you know master Mm-hmm. One shot, one shot. All right, give me some reactions. Mm-hmm. Give me some react, reaction shot, reaction shot, reaction shot. Do you see that same style? As- it's like really I think you can break it into scripted and unscripted yeah, work. That's what so I it's like, yeah, when you do scripted stuff, you know, it's like very specific and it's storyboarded where it's like unscripted, like reality, documentary, you know, it's kind of more loose and you kind of have to be more in the moment, which is an art form in itself. But then there's a whole other art form of like crafting a shot and like lighting it and then getting the move. So you have, the, I think, the, the big two, and then in those two, it breaks down into, you know, all the subgenres, and I guess it depends on... Because, you know, like some of the, when y'all did the stuff in Nashville, yeah, like some of the shots coming up to a, to a, a one-shot VO, yeah. getting that bite, you know, and then a swing yeah. over here to kind of show that action. Yeah, and I, I guess it kind of just falls down into your resources, too, you know. <laughs> be, I mean, ideally, in any really situation, I would prefer to catch everything in one take right but if you and so you have a wide master but if you can afford to have two other cameramen on the tight you know getting the different angles and the reactions that's how i would prefer to do it you know the people don't have to act yeah you're prioritizing the talent and like the raw moment as it happens yeah Yeah. but sometimes you can't do that so you have to like think ahead Again, going back to like, okay, I know you have to know what you need to edit. So it's like good cam ops, you know, and good directors and stuff all think of like the, how it's going to cut. And you kind of have to think as you shoot, it's like, all right, maybe you'll go from that and then we can cut away to this. So we can stitch these two clips together. And it's like a cut and glue paste thing. And it just gets really complicated. But the more you do it and the more experience you have, and if you're starting out, you know, you just have to do it. And that's how we learn. You know, it's like. See, I want you guys, this is what I've been trying to pound in y'all's head. Right. I've been trying to found y'all's head. Y'all understand that very, very good. But I think there's a third genre. That's that social genre. You know, how do we mesh that? I don't think nobody's done it. I don't think anybody's figured it out because it is sensitivity driven on social. Mm -hmm. Right. So how do we how do we create a new filming style that will be viral? 
but still look like TV. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. And I think, you know, some of the comedians, you know, that do the skits, I think do it really well, you know, because they will do like fast, hard cuts, like to their best takes or if they're going on a rant. But if you show that, you show those cuts to Ethan, he's like, (laughs) oh, shit, (laughs) I can't do that. I'm not doing that. Yeah, uh, you know, it's like you're saying, it's a third form. And yeah. that's where, you know, we just favor the... No, I don't think it's favoring. I think it's this hasn't been done properly yet. Yeah. Y- and, I think, and I think, yeah, it's, it's like you're on to something because it's like, I mean, you, I'll ask you a question. I mean, when you're on Facebook, like, what are the most viral videos you see? Are they shot, you know, on a phone or are they shot, you know, with professional gear? And I, I don't know. What do you, th- what would you say? Well, I think first thing is relatability. Yeah. If you think about relatability, what's going to relate to the masses? Yeah. And what's that little hook? It's like short, sweet, hook them, and then you got them, right? And then how you tell that story is I don't think that has been done properly. Right. Well, and it's also a whole different platform and mentality because, you know, in my mind, and you, you know, you're the social media expert, so, you know, pitch in if you feel differently. I don't feel like, you know, people are necessarily going to the social media platforms to get fed uh, long, longer form content. I feel like they're there to be entertained or have a laugh or they have like, you know, a 30 second on break or a minute on break. Yeah. And so or they're on the toilet. Yeah, they're <laughs> on the toilet. And what I think we enjoy more is, you know, the longer form and the cinematic like side. So it's like two different mentalities because it's Mm -hmm. like if you go to netflix you're already prepared to watch something for 15 to 30 minutes where Mm -hmm. if you open up instagram you're probably on looking have a short break you're one to three minutes man so i think it's just two different i don't know mentalities Mm -hmm. what do you think i mean i think there's a there's a there's percentages of both that i think it's just trying to figure it out and i don't think nobody has really figured it out I don't know, I think one day when when you hit it and then you step and repeat and do it again, it's just like this thing I've been developing, my finding a perfect audience. I don't know where it came from. I just put it together by myself. So I made it in three steps, right? So first step, finding a finding a perfect audience. And this is linear to life, could be linear to spiritual. I use it in social media, and that's how I'm going to convey this narrative. It, within this first step is environment, foundation, sensitivities. So you go in. And that we didn't have this when we started dealing with Hawk. This is something I've developed since then. It's like, all right, understand your environment. Understand what's going on there. If you're going to build the house, I saw it called the build the house. Let's assess what are the content elements within that environment, right? You shoot that content out there. We see how people respond. That gives you the first round of data. Then you continue to improve that content based on the data. That builds your, and then that's going to build your foundation, right? And you keep doubling down on the data, and that's going to take 30 to 90 days to build this foundation of a perfect audience. Then once the foundation is built, that creates a sensitivity, right, of what your business is and how you're going to bring in more people to build the house, step one. Step two, it is tone and timing, because you establish the tone from the from the environment, uh, foundation, and sensitivities, establish that tone. So that's like that's the tone is who it's going to appeal to. Then you create that look-alike audience, put that content out there. After you've already developed it for thirty to ninety days, 
and you're going to bring in people that, that have a similar tone that you've already processed in one. Timing gives you the control of when you put the content out there based on the effort data you have yeah. and where those people is. That's step two. Then step three is emotions. And this is a quick run through, people. This is a quick run through is, is emotions and landscape. I've realized that with emotions, when people start responding to your content, you don't want to have a knee-jerk reaction. These are the micro fixes, half percentage fixes that you digest, but you, if you've done step one and step two right, it keeps you on that path. And you don't have these knee-jerk reactions that people do when you see these wild comments, right? You just digest that information and keep going and keep using those small micro percentages to perfect content. And then the last thing is landscape. Landscape is understanding what the tendencies are of your platform, whether it's Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat. So I want you guys <laughs> to do that for the for the film. I think y'all could do it. Yeah. For the content, you know, creative content. Y'all just finished Rutgers Reno, and it's just the two of you guys, and it aired on um, the Design Network. Uh, and y'all did a great job, uh, just two guys doing that. And I think that puts you on the scene at a major level. So I don't know, what do y'all, tell us a little bit about uh, Rutgers Reno. You know, it was supposed to be a shorter project and ended up just, you know, with the timing of COVID and all the shipping delays ended up stretching to about 12, 13 months. But uh, all in all, you know, the synopsis, uh, Darius bought a house, a historical home, downtown Charleston. He renovated it. And, you know, through this show, it's kind of a home renovation show while the uh, home is being, you know, completed. The We take him on different outings around Charleston, really showcasing his favorite things and exploring, you know, cultural elements, taking him fishing, taking him to different farms, different restaurants, things like that. And uh, so I think the finished project was a uh, great success. Everyone loved it. We loved it. Mm -hmm. um, D Darius and his team loved it. And uh, doing really well on the design network. It's also, I think, streaming on the Samsung TV Plus, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, But yeah, no, the, through the whole process, I mean, you know, just learned a lot about... We'd always worked on shows, but mm -hmm. this is the first one where we wrote you know, film, produce, and edit it, everything in-house, start to finish. Mm -hmm. So we learned uh, a lot and um, ready to tackle some more. And uh, do, do, we have some other bigger shows um, in the works as well. It's Darius Rucker, major country music star. I think about, you know, technology, right? And you think about you two guys pulled a series off for a very limited budget. Right. Yeah. When I was pitching shows for television, average budget for a 30 minute show was 350 K an episode per episode per episode. Uh, right. Yeah, one, wait, wait, one, your <laughs> one hour, one hour, 750 was per that, episode. Was that, was that scripted or like reality or reality? Okay. Reality wow. TV. So that's like not even like, yeah, sets and actors. Yeah. That's just straight reality. Huh? Yeah. So put that in perspective <laughs> yeah. of what you guys did. Y'all did what? How many episodes? Six. Six episodes, mm -hmm. I think that's mindset. It's kind of like the Tyler mm -hmm. Perry thing. I went and saw Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry's like, he said he would always sit in his trailer and be like, why is this taking so long? Why is this taking so long? And that's why Tyler Perry makes movies in like, mm -hmm. you know, 15 to 30-day turns. Absolutely. Right? Compared to 90-day turns. Yeah. Right? He stresses out a lot of actors because they know they only have like one or two takes. Too. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Well, I think a lot of that comes down to like resources, you know? It's like that was, I mean, what? When, how long ago was that? Nine years ago? Yeah. That's not so, but I don't know. My, but, but in tech, 
this the technology side yeah. of things like camera and i think this is kind of where the whole industry is shifting right now especially in the film world is like between 2012 and 2013 that's right when like the dslr boom kind of came out so now these cameras got smaller ever they became accessible and, and affordable then, and affordable so it's like you got this kind of you know full frame look if you will shooting video and then that kind of boomed youtube and then that boomed like tutorial videos where we learn and people post their films and these films start winning awards and festivals and then the technology keeps you know developing developing so it's like the cameras get smaller they get cheaper so we were able to produce a show for a little less and it's a little more it's smaller cheaper more mobile so it's like i think the whole industry is shifting in a good way in the sense that yeah like maybe budgets getting smaller but at the end of the day it's like more people can be creative because of those innovations and stuff so i don't know and and that's where it's like even all my friends in the in the you know traditional film community are all the unions are kind of like figuring out like because all these streaming platforms are kind of restructuring their like rates and budgets and everything and again we just learned a lot just with this one network but you know i feel like a lot of networks are kind of just shifting i'm not necessarily getting cheaper but you know there's there's more hungry like people and it's the new generation of filmmakers and you know but there's also a lot of waste in the film there is yeah a lot of a lot of inefficiencies that fractions that goes back to funding my perfect audience that's that's me flushing out these fractions of business that are are wasting people's money Mm -hmm. you know I mean, in my mind, like for a reality show, you know, limited budget, but let's say somewhat healthy, um, you know, in my world, I think we could pull off a, you know, $750,000 look with a seven to 10 man team. Well, you already did it for less. You already did it. I mean, with, with, you know, five. Well, and just, and and like the experience, you know, just working with, yeah, Travel Channel, History Channel, like they're shooting reality shows and there's like three PAs just sitting around. And, you know, they're getting paid X amount of dollars a day and then they're just kind of hanging out. And I guess I don't know why they necessarily need them, but it's just for extra help. But then that's extra cars you have to travel with. That's extra people you have to feed. Extra lodging. And I'm like, we can kind of pack this down instead of like, okay, you just be one focus. It's like we kind of are taking a different approach where it's like everyone's kind of multi like a multi-tool in a way on set where it's like, okay, you just know a little bit about audio, a little like mostly camera. And if you kind of know, like you can kind of help each other out and and then you can kind of pack out those people, which, you know, you're more mobile, you're faster, cheaper. And I don't know, we're just trying to figure out like a whole way to restructure it in in a healthy way where we're not undercutting the industry. Well, in a a way in 2004, when I started doing music videos, I I bought a Canon XL1 and I just started shooting. When I looked at doing these music videos, we'd spend 50 grand. I wouldn't make shit, but I paid all these people, pay like 30 people to do a music video, and I would get pissed off at the job they did. So I started teaching myself every position. Yeah. Yeah. And when I taught myself how to do everything, that's how I was able to build bang into what it is today. Absolutely. So it's kind of the same principle that you're, you're just in a different... Uh, time frame but that was kind of my mm-hmm. thought process back then but now it's more like where do we go what do we do and I think distribution I think that's where the the kind of the wild west is because really nobody's understanding where to distribute their content right now because of guys like you able mm-hmm. to produce a show at a very high quality at a very low cost but it kind of I think that. it kind of goes back to just that military style where it's like you know you learn first aid and basic training you learn you know how to use a gun you know you learn how to you know work as a team and I think it's just building that those skills is only just going to make them better 
you know, as we cultivate this team and, and I think, yeah, it's just eliminating those, those inefficiencies. Yeah. But it's like, if you can get, you know, to the same look, but you know, the multi-tool team can get there at a fourth of the price and still be happy and be treated fairly versus the 30 man team that takes, you know, four times as much for the same look, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that speaks for itself. It's like when I got into comedy, I didn't know the rules of comedy. Mm -hmm. So in a way, it's probably good y'all didn't know the rules of doing this yourself traditionally. Well, well it's like, I, I knew the rules. <laughs> I'm like, you can't do that. Like, it's like, but at the end of the day, it's like, it kind of worked. And then it's like, all right, now I have to rethink of how I was, you know, just yeah. trained in my environment. Yeah. Like, just growing in the production world. It's like, yeah, don't touch the audio guy's shit. You know, like, you just don't talk direct. Don't talk to talent. You're a camera guy. Don't speak. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but that, and that so brings up know. a whole nother thing. Yeah. Because, all right, and you can, I, you know, you can ask any talent and, you know, people on set. What ends up happening, you know, with Mad Lad Films is because we have a smaller team, it's a more intimate setting and we build relationships with everyone who's involved with the process, which ultimately makes the talent feel more comfortable. And, you know, it, it's really interesting because at the end of our projects, you know, we've now formed friendships and partnerships and that's a big part of like our, you know, marketing, I guess, technique, because we've actually never spent a dime on marketing. So not only does that like work for us, but it's better for the talent because, I mean, if you have 30 people watching you do something or five, what's going to be better for them? Mm -hmm. I mean, most people are going to like and be able to, you know, feel more comfortable just with less people, you know, and it's like, all right, they know each five of those people's names, so they're yeah. able to perform better or feel more comfortable, which then relates to them being more authentic, saying more things that they probably wouldn't have come across mm-hmm. with 30 people watching. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's fine. It's yeah. something like an on-camera interview. It's like, you know, you see us in frame, but then there's like the audio guy, PA1, PA2, assistant camera, director, Head producer, and everyone's yeah. just eyeballing you. And as a human, you kind of just know like you're being watched by all these eyeballs and then they stiff up you know you've seen it everywhere and I think yeah it's just kind of part of that technique well that started like with the damn cameras that got the one shot right yeah Yeah. had to have 85 people looking (laughs) at it to make sure they didn't miss anything Uh because it was they had one shot at it right Uh so I think they need to improve that I think understanding your story and then understanding my story right and you see these rubs right I think when you look at distribution you know, even streaming, I think for people to take five, if it takes five steps to get to content compared to two steps, and that's two steps picking up your phone and you find the platform, I don't think it's all finding the perfect way to to tell a story with that content uh, to make it go viral uh, at a high level. I think there needs to be a little bit of adjustment in the text world with their algorithm and how that responds to this better content. And then a little bit of change over here with with creative, because eventually everybody's going to want to be in that two-step process to find content they want to view. People are too lazy to get through five steps, to go through an app, you know, pick up your phone, go through the app, log in, right? Then this, you know, I think that's where the world's going. So I think there's, if the tech world would understand Ethan's mind from a creative standpoint, and then creatives like you understand the tech world a little more, I think that's the future. But I think one of the 
biggest disconnects between you and us is that, like you said it just then, you're you're trying to create the viral content, which we're not necessarily trying to do. You're trying to tell more of a story. A story that you know is more polished and intimate. And like, you know, and of course we've done stuff strictly for social media where, you know, if we're geared toward that way, but I guess our philosophy is like, you know, if you're going for a million views, you know, you have that view and then it's on to the next thing where say we only have a hundred thousand views, but they watched it for all three minutes, all five minutes, whatever. Retention could be longer. Believe it or not, I think it's a different personality. I think so too. I think there's a personality that opens up Facebook. I think there's a personality that opens up Instagram. There's a personality that opens up Twitter. Because if you if you put all those platforms together and look how people comment, yeah, they're different. That's yeah, true. That, that's it's a different true. sensitivity. And that's where it's like you know, depending on and maybe that's something that we need to explore is you know, custom creating content for a platform based on you know sensitivities. You know, in my mind, like the Facebook or Meta, excuse me, is uh, definitely, I think people still primarily use it for like family and like family news. You know, yes, they see stuff from businesses and stuff, but I think primarily they're using it for uh, to stay up with their friends and family. Instagram is, in my mind, more about entertainment and like showboating <laughs> yeah. for lack of a better words you know oh i'm in tulum or you know whatever yeah. uh youtube is i think still entertainment and how to you know to a large degree yeah you know, it seems like youtube has become more educational yeah, yeah more educational almost netflix again is pure, primarily documentaries and shows and series so there's like your i'm there to you know check out before i go to bed you know that type thing but I don't know. So, so what was TikTok? What would you say TikTok? <laughs> TikTok's dancing, man. <laughs> I, call, I, I call TikTok a cheap trick. Yeah. You know? yeah. I think it's a facade for kids, you yeah. know, in a way. Um, and I think they pick and choose. It's like Avery's like, I got to get it going on TikTok. Mm-hmm. TikTok. I think they pick and choose who they want to, if they, you know, if the 10 board members see a song and those 10 board members like that because there's so many bots on TikTok. Yeah. I think they pick and choose who they want to go viral. So there's some girl like Charlie, somebody on there is like the big, got the most followers on TikTok. And she's got like 150 million followers. Wow. You really think, and if you saw her content, it's yeah. not that great. Yeah. You know, it's just her, her, I'm like, how do you get 150 million yeah. followers? Somebody's yeah. got to have you back. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You, the you know what I mean? Isn't extraordinary, right. or, you know? She's not teaching anybody nothing. She's just kicking her leg up in the air. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she's yeah. she hot though. Yeah. She's really hot. She's cute. <laughs> she's cute. <laughs> oh, she's a kid. She's 18. <laughs> oh God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's strange. <laughs> Yeah, she's 18. I guess she came to poster child, and that's why I started thinking that TikTok picks and chooses who they want. Yeah. So if you can find that person at TikTok, you need to pick and choose that person. I mean, Walker Hayes, maybe he paid somebody. Yeah, what does Walker Hayes have? Well, Walker Hayes is, you know, uh, he'd been in country music for forever. I think he's in his 40s. Yeah. Right? And all of a sudden, his daughter put that song out. Yeah. But I think they picked that song out yeah. and, and blew him up yeah. in a way. I don't think it naturally happened. All it takes is one mm-hmm. these days. That situation, the Walker Hayes 
situation created created that mindset to an Avery Robertson, right? I got to figure out how to, yeah. you know, get my song out there. I don't think it matters. I think they just got to, you know, if they see it and they like it, you're they're gonna blow you up. Yeah. If they don't see it, now I think other platforms are different. Yeah, I think you know, I think I do think that Facebook or Meta's process and how they make things go viral is very um, yeah strategic and has yeah. steps to it right and if you understand those steps you got a better chance of okay. making things I go viral there's more brick and mortar a situation to get a video to really be seen by a lot of people i agree with that because i i keep perfecting our process and our viral content just gets better and better yeah you know from like we went from you know we went from a vertical you know, vertical was hot for a minute, right? Then full screen was hot. Now they've determined that four by fives, you know, these four by five sizes are the best size because it fits perfectly in your phone. That's what I was trying to get. It's like, I'm curious where, like, yeah, all this, the format's going to change. Cause that, in our world, that changes the way we shoot. Cause now it's like you got to kind of either shift how someone's framed in a shot yeah. versus, yeah. you know, if it's widescreen. So it's like that changes, like, our job directly so it's like interesting yeah. to know yeah where it's getting delivered that's a, that's really interesting well luckily we can still film 4k and then crop <laughs> so i don't know you, you know if we could yeah. here's here's the rub for me like i want to every piece of content i want to layer through everything so y'all shoot most stuff 16 by 9 mm -hmm. and a lot of times you know it's hard to get that 16 by 9 in a 4 by 5 and not lose anything right yeah you know, yeah, sure. so that's something to figure out. Yeah. You know, unless you just want to be focused on this platform, it does this size and so forth. I don't know. I just, these are just pieces of the puzzle I'm trying to figure out. And I'm probably fast tracking this too much. I mean, there's probably still a lot of bandwidth to tell these great stories and there's people want to consume this content. But, you know, if, if, if industry doesn't start catering a little more to to the, the side of the social world, I think they're going to get left behind. I think that's where the struggle is because industry is holding back the rain still. Right. Yeah. All the big money is still in mainstream, mm -hmm. you know, because the the old school mindset is there's too many variables. Yeah. There's too many variables in social. But finding a perfect audience, this is where I took the variables out. Like this finding a perfect audience yeah. would change everything. Yeah, we change everything because I'm taking, I'm showing you the steps, and I'm taking out these variables. So I think when you see the, you follow the money. Mm. This is when y'all, I think, what y'all do is great. But when you see that month, that bigger money starting to move to social because that's where all the eyeballs are. Yeah. Then I think that's when these major production companies really got to start changing their mindset. Well, and then something like you talked about and what we're really interested in is how do you take like a great story that traditionally might be like an hour, you know, documentary and publish it to a social media platform and, you know, get the eyeballs, but also it's like, you know, it starts to say, do you put it out there as an hour or do you put out, you know, what, six, 10 minute clips? or 12 five-minute clips, you know, as a series, as a mini-doc series, just because the attention spans, you know, are are longer, are shorter on social. The king of one-hour movies, because people don't want to watch a movie past an hour. I think if somebody grasped hold of that, 
Y'all could be the kings of one-hour movies and the kings of 30-minute documentaries, right? Yeah. Then your docu-series are three to five minutes. Yeah. Mm. Then, I like that. Then you can break down more, you know, if you want to market it for your one-minute pieces and so forth. Yeah. Uh, but I think documentaries could be 30 minutes. Yeah. You know, with the amount of views and traffic on, on social platforms that, you know, you're going to see more and more series shows kind of, you know, be launched on that, which is something where it's... And I think, I think that's going to change the way it's edited too because it's almost like, you know, you, you sit down for Netflix, you have that mentality, oh, I'm going to watch this, and it has a nice soft opening of like, oh, Chris, but with social media, like you got to hook them. So it's I think that changes the way, like having that hook, and then it kind of, I think... Goalcast is actually a good little mini doc page to like kind of take an example from it. Like they hook you, and I was just scrolling like you know um, just in my bed or something, and it was like the first thirty seconds. Like oh, this looks cool, and then, and I didn't realize I've been watching this thing for ten minutes. It was a fifteen minute like mini documentary cut vertically, and it was like really well produced, really well edited, and I think that kind of speaks for something. It had like several million views, and it's kind of like you you you're you're earning their their attention with that cut in a way yeah. where it's like you grab them like you keep saying yeah We're and then it's like and then the now you now you've earned their like attention you've proven it and then the, you kind of now you can dip in the story you kind of have those slower moments then you just keep building so because I don't know, at the changes. end of the day there's slower moments and like the attention to detail is actually in my opinion what pulls you into the story mm -hmm. you know yeah. and uh, it's not just all entertainment you know it is actually the crickets in the background, the nice landscape shots that, you know, traditionally, like in today's world, that's not going to hook somebody. Mm -hmm. But in my opinion, that's what helps form the emotion, that an atta emotional attachment they have to the video or the film. Well, I agree with that. I agree with, you know, the sensitivities like here, mm -hmm. sight. You know, you can't smell video, so you got to think of you know, <laughs> well, I don't know. I'd say you, you can't know? even hear it a lot of times because they say like 40% of, I don't know, you actually might know, like there is uh, Facebook videos are muted, so that's why yeah. they're doing closed captions all the time yeah. Yeah. or subtitles. So I don't know. I mean, I, th I remember reading somewhere is like, yeah, 30 or 40% of like people scrolling through at least Facebook watch or whatever is muted. So, yeah. so I don't know. I think now you're losing a whole sense, so it's like you got to visually capture it too. Yeah. I don't know which changes our jobs, like how it edits and then what you see first. Used to, on Facebook, anything with a cold open or script at the beginning slowed down the reach of the videos, but now they're going back, back to, to they want a little short little pop of who, what this is, you know? So if it relates to you and you go back mm -hmm. to the, the captions, if you're, you know, they're trying to say, they may not click on that video because everybody does like this, but to that caption, they're they going to catch a percentage of the personalities out there yeah. that's going to appeal to their senses, yeah. right? And that's the reason they do it because there's a big, I guess there's probably 30, 30, 40% of the marketplace will watch a video based on what they see just in captions. There's certain personalities that will click on certain things, whether it's captions, whether it's visual whether it's what you know what the guy looks like or, or the what content the, itself. the content itself so yeah. what's the future for mad lad and what do y'all what do y'all want to do the next three years yeah uh honestly we just want to grow uh, a team and uh we have a, a um, bunch of uh, team members right now that you know we're looking to bring on in a more full-time uh perspective but you know great you know we can 
we've learned early on you're only as great as your team and mm -hmm. just like we were saying earlier with Rutgers Reno you know we had a great team um, of our friends that are super professional and talented you know Jansen Doyle Thomas yeah. Runyon Julie Jackson mm -hmm. um, Jimmy Rojas yep. And, um, you know, you're only as powerful as your team. And so, yeah, yeah, we're working on, yeah, the future is just, yeah, getting people on full time. Just think you know, if we could take more. this, <laughs> yeah, if we could take these, this three right here and duplicate ourselves oh, multiple yeah. times. Oh, but that's hard. And we, it's like, it's like trying to train an artist and also a scientist at the same time. Cause it's yeah. like, it's a balance of the art and the science and the business. Yeah. So it's like, you're trying to combine all these people and teach somebody this, where it's like, it's trying to teach someone to be a Picasso. It's like, you kind of either get it or you don't. But yeah. sometimes you can really formulate form formulate it you know but, but it, it comes just, down it just takes down it comes, it down, comes down to hands-on experience ethic, honestly yeah. and like the, drive if you have work side. ethic and drive then yeah, yeah you'll exactly you know and that's what we've noticed and those are the people that you know we flock to and they flock to us you know just because you know well, you don't, they have yeah that, you don't find too many guys 25 yeah. like ethan that works as hard as he does yeah most people are I was partying at 25, yeah. so it's very hard to find even a, a guy at that age to work that hard. Yeah. So you got lucky, probably. I mean, I, we, we work just... Yeah, man. <laughs> I know. I know, yeah. I know you work yeah. your ass off, but yeah. to find two oh, yeah. people that can oh, complement each other, yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah, that's what we resonated, and we became friends first, and then, yeah, we started working together, and then just became business partners, and it's an awesome partnership. And, what, what's uh, our saying? Closer uh, than a <laughs> more than a brother, less than a wife. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. And, no, um, man. Yeah, it's like you learn to share, like appreciate people like that in your life, and that that push yourself, push push others, and 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 really inspire and motivate. Yeah, your your team behind you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, as far as the future, just uh, you know, we're working on an action uh, sequence commercial for Mad Lab Films. It's a passion project that we've been wanting to do for a while, you know, with uh, boat chases, uh, motorcycle chase, uh, jumping off um, high elevations, uh, some uh, gun gun and fight sequences uh, built in, because honestly, we haven't been able to really do what we're good at yet. And uh, yeah, that, we really haven't shown a side to our business that I think we were ready to show, so stay yeah, tuned for yeah. that. Well, I will say this, I think, I think y'all, you know, is like, we back in the day we brought storytelling to action sports yeah. and in a way y'all brought your narrative um y'all kept your narrative with each client whether it be entertaining whether it be marketing a company or a lawyer company whether it be any type of business or somebody you've worked with you've kind of kept y'all's narrative the same with each client yeah and multiple genres of clients yeah, and I mean, we've just in the, uh, I mean, three, four years that we started working together, I mean, we've produced thousands of different videos, but, you know, with his background, my background, really we've done in every type of content <laughs> out there, you know, whether it's yeah. restaurants, commercials, you know, social content, you know, lawn business, television shows, feature films, so we we've have a you know vast experience in all those, and uh, and now we're you know again toning it down and uh, really you know we want to concentrate this probably next three years into three divisions, where it's like you know commercials series and feature films would be one division. The second division being events you know that's covering music festivals, uh, tech conferences, big uh, productions like that, and then the third side being uh, you know 
marketing videos for, for businesses where, you know, that is, you know, quote unquote, probably the least interesting, but it's what we're really, really good at because mm -hmm. I, I think what we're able to do there is help uh, business owners get excited about their business again. And then that translates in the videos that we do. And they get excited and about it. And it just gives again. them a voice and it adds weight to like a person. Because you can tell mm -hmm. they get more confident too. Like when they just, just are around the environment and they see the product and they get excited about it. And I don't know, that, that makes us excited too. Just, yeah. yeah. You know, because we, we realize we, we're blessed in this world of having, having the ability as storytellers to give people a voice. Yeah. I think that's really important and, you know, using yeah. it for good. And even, even in business videos, it's like, you know, it, that's what it comes down to. It's like trying to figure out those stories and how to tell them. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, you know, and, you know, it, it's a blessing and a curse yeah. because the, uh, the marketing videos we do are pretty much, they're so good. They're evergreen. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, while people do, uh, you know, come back to us several times a year, it's, you know, I'm hoping some of the, uh, some of them will start to understand. It's like, all right, that worked. Let's let's start a residual plan, you know, of content generation and not, oh, let's use this one piece of content for a year. You know, you really got to, especially this day and age, keep getting your content out there. But, you know, it, it's really effective for them and uh, it's fun for us, fun for, you know, to, to help uh, people in small businesses and not just small businesses, but businesses in general. But I have an affinity for small business owners because mm -hmm. that's the backbone, yeah. you know, of America. And so helping them succeed is, you know, part of uh, what we enjoy. Oh, cool, cool. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on. And, thank you for having uh, us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Yeah, and telling a story. It's a good story, good conversation. I think people could learn from this conversation, you know, and relate. You know, my thing is trying to help people relate to life, you know, these micro moments. If there's someone out there that's your age or Ethan's age and they want to get in this business, maybe there's parts of this that people could listen to mm -hmm. and say, hey, I can do this. I can do that. Absolutely. You, you know what I'm saying? I don't think there's no limitations. I mean, half the battle's just going after it. Mindset. You, know, you, yeah. you learn more from failure than you do success. Yeah. That's yeah. for sure. So Mad Lad Films, um, great guys. They do great work. You can check them out at madladfilms.com. Uh, they do good stuff, and they're here in my are they're here in my area in Charleston, South Carolina, or their area because they were here before me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we got uh, Graham Lad, Ethan Kaiser. Yep. Nailed it. And John Cosma. <laughs> and yeah, and I'm uh, John Edmonds Cosma, the CEO of Bang Productions. Thanks, guys. Appreciate awesome, it. Awesome, man. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.